0: Indictments galore. Former President Trump is now the subject of multiple indictments for violation of criminal statutes. Uh, do these indictments raise important and maybe troubling questions about the nature and use of criminal law and its place in our public life? Let's find out in today's episode of Independent Outlook. Hello, everybody. I'm Graham Walker coming to you from the Independent Institute in Oakland, California. We're right across the bay from San Francisco, where we try and bring you an independent take on the issues of the day, keeping a careful eye on the fate of liberty as best we can. Uh, And as always, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Dr. Williamson Evers, who is the director of the Independent Institute's Center on Educational Excellence, but also a noted polymath. Hello to you, Dr. Williamson Evers. Hello, Graham. It's great to see you. Uh, But also, again, um, as our friends who who keep up with us are familiar uh, with our noted legal expert, uh, William Watkins Jr., uh, who is now well known to our friends. Thanks so much for joining us, Bill Watkins. We're grateful. Good to be with you, man, again today. So uh, we're going to plunge into what seems to be the very latest, um, uh, how to make sense of these multiple indictments against Foreign President Trump. Um, We're not so much interested in nailing down every detail, although the more facts we have, the better, but in understanding the significance of this series of indictments uh, in the larger legal and constitutional setting as best we can. So let's start with this,
1: what at the moment
0: uh, is the most true.
1: Before we start, I think we should expand a tiny bit on what you said right at the outset, and that is... Sure. For people who are presidents and other high officers... We have an impeachment process that's supposed to address things that they do that are uh, run counter to their duties and what they should be doing in office, whereas crimes are supposed to be things that are clear, bright-line things that the average person can understand and not do, avoid, and then if they do them, they should be punished and they have extra rights. Whereas in impeachment, there's it's a broader thing. It's often vaguely stated in terms of things like high crimes and misdemeanors, and political and legal judgments are combined. So it looks, in a sense, as if the powers that be within the American system have failed to impeach Trump and convict They impeached him, but they didn't convict him when he was president. And now they're looking throughout the laws, the statute books, and they're combing them and broadly interpreting or misinterpreting laws, broadly construing them to get Trump as Alan Dershowitz, the former professor of law at Harvard, has put it. so this this is kind of like the very
0: broad picture here, isn't it? Um, yeah the question is what what are the remedies for wrongdoing and constitutional remedy for presidents is impeachment but if you break a statute in a criminal statute then you' you're gonna you know not just lose your presidency but more significantly lose your lose your rights you're uh, and, and more if you're, mur- if you're a president
1: for- and you murder somebody of course the criminal statute should but you shouldn't take things that are within the scope of your office or broadly understood, historically understood, and then go after those using the criminal law. And I think that's an okay, important Bill angle Watkins for us way, to take as we dig this, through this.
0: That's right. I'm going to let what Bill Watkins weigh in on this big picture, and the big picture, to put it in my simple terms, is you know a lot of people I know say, well, they couldn't get him through the impeachment process. they got to get him through the criminal law. What, what do you think about that big picture? big picture, Bill Watkins.
2: It's hard to argue with that view of things at this point. Uh, he was in; had articles of impeachment brought twice. Um, most of his administration allegations of Russian collusion and this, that, and the other uh, throughout the tenure and office. Uh, and now uh, this is an attempt, a lot of people believe, and it's uh, hard to Disagree with them when you look at some of the facts uh, to uh, jail the man and uh, be rid of him in the system for good. Um, the question is: Is criminal law is that a function uh, of a special counsel or anyone else, or is this a essentially a political question that you put the facts out there? We have a First Amendment, and you let the people at the ballot box, uh, make a decision. If they think the guy's a bum and a crook, uh, they don't vote for him, or they vote him out of office. Uh, who is to decide? I mean, that's what we're talking about. Who is to decide? Yeah,
0: so we have at least three remedies for wrongdoing by high high public officer. I mean, there's the election or, you know, denial of election or re-election, and then there's impeachment and removal, and then there's the criminal law. Um, which one fits the facts is kind of like the big underlying question here. Should we go to the facts then on the latest indictment?
1: Yeah, I think uh, we should. I think we should start exploring. Okay, so apparently
0: the, the, the
2: special well, counsel. Go ahead, Bill Watkins. I mean, this is what I would call the, you know, essentially the January 6th indictment. Uh, you know, the left wants January 6th to be like December 7th uh, and the American political lexicon Um Therefore, they have crafted charges, um, again, accusing President Trump of conspiring uh, with a number of unnamed individuals, though uh, we can talk about this a little later. It's pretty easy to figure out. It's Rudy and uh, you know, several others uh, to obstruct the proceeding of Congress and to interfere uh, with the citizens' right to vote. Uh, as well as uh, there's uh, overall conspiracy. What we call, uh, in the business, it's a 371 conspiracy. 18 U.S.C. Section 371 uh, carries five years, $250,000 fine, uh, three-year supervised release that he conspired uh, with his legal team uh, and others uh, and the whole January 6th, uh, electors, uh, different slates, allegations of fraud, uh, to try to corruptly retain the presidency there. Uh, so that's essentially the crux of this. And you know, you know Evers has made some good points earlier when uh, we discussed this offline that for example, the I believe it is 18 USC section 241 is a reconstruction era statute that Trump's charged with uh, which essentially uh, alleges that he interfered with someone's right to vote, which was designed more or less uh, in states with black codes that tried to prevent black folks from right. a, uh, voting against, after.
1: It was against the Ku Klux Klan and other night Riders in the South who used terror and violence to block black voters and also Republican voters during Reconstruction. And uh, you know, these, these, of course, these Black voters have, and
0: Republican voters were over, overlapping categories at that time.
1: Yes, but also white Republican voters. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if you look at these different things, we have the contingent electors, or as the newspapers uh, often call them, the fake electors. This has been used before, it was used during a Kennedy nixon election for Hawaii when people weren't sure what was going on, and they wanted to have electors in reserve in case there was a discovery about voter fraud or miscounting or something like that. So Trump had legal advice. His campaign had legal advice that this had been done before, and they should do it again. Uh, It's within this—I sound like I'm an advocate for President Trump in all respects or something like that. I think that's a misconstrual, but I'm trying to have the constitutional system work right and not to personally defend Donald Trump or advocate his re-election or anything like that. Uh, it's. It seems to me that if you are the president of the United States and you have this power vested in you to take care that the laws are faithfully executed and you heard and read and, you know, heard from your counselors and advisors that laws in the different states were changed in ways that made fraud more, more susceptible than before. You've heard some claims about fraud. It's within the scope of your office, in my view, to call around and see what's going on. If you look at the letter, the, the telephone call to the Georgia man that was in charge of election counting, Yes, Trump says some numbers and various things that they don't sound very good. But his lawyers are saying towards the end of that same conversation to pursue this carefully and legally, and not you know not to somehow do something wrong. Uh, they when they describe Trump's speech where he talks about the people going from the Oval up to the Capitol, uh, they indictment leaves out the part where he says, go peacefully and patriotically. I mean, this is very tendentious. and uh, Yeah, it's tricky because
0: so former President Trump was always pretty wily in his statements. I mean, as you yeah. mentioned on January 6th, yeah. he said, you got to go fight. But then he says, Be, go peacefully.
1: So, which is it, you know? Well, you know, and in election Maybe you fight politics, peacefully. Politics, people use rhetoric that... Uh, when you say we're targeting this opponent, it doesn't necessarily mean you're right. You know, targeting him with a rifle or a bow and arrow or something. So yeah, they quote these various people that told Trump, well, you've lost, but the indictment doesn't quote people that told him you won, and they're keeping it from you. So he was undoubtedly, so, so- and, as we know, surrounded by such people.
0: Turning to Watkins though, you mentioned, I'm glad you know some of these details, Section 371 of that act, of that statute. Um, Apparently under that you could be found guilty potentially of conspiracy to defraud and corruptly obstructing um, the voting. But does corruptly obstructing uh, Bill Watkins, does it necessitate um, that you knew that what you were doing, the things you were saying were false? What if you thought things you were saying were true? Would that be corruptly?
2: Well, he's got several defenses along those lines that, you know, we'll see eventually raised. One, advice of counsel. Yes. Um, you know, if whatever we might think of, say, Sidney Powell's abilities, uh, you know, John Eastman, uh, who is one of the unnamed co-conspirators along with Powell, you um, is certainly as a legal mind that we might disagree with some of his conclusions on the powers of Pence uh, and counting votes. Uh, it was a Supreme Court clerk, a law professor. Of uh, I mean, a uh, a dean of law school. Yeah, a dean of the law school, a credentialed person. Rudy Giuliani, until uh, his association with Trump, was pretty much as close to a national hero. He he was cleaned pretty up New York. yeah. He uh, cleaned up New York. He led the city after 9/11, uh, presidential candidate himself. He was a DA that uh, prosecuted mobsters. Uh, you know, so you, one, you have advice of counsel. Two, you'll see um, also you'll see the take care uh, argument that Evers raised that uh, he was simply uh, following constitutional commands of his office there. Um, So there's a number of affirmative uh, uh, defenses uh, that can be raised in these issues, and you're right, we've only heard uh, one side of the—and does he he make a lot of—does he say a lot of stupid things? Does he make a lot of mistakes? Yes, he does. And that's why it's easy to have a 45-page indictment uh, with various quotes and things, but— uh, there is a second half of the story uh, that will need to be heard. So focusing back on that one piece, he'd
0: have to have corrupt intent. Um, and if he actually believed some of these legal advisors, then maybe his intent wasn't corrupt. Maybe he was just mistaken. And maybe maybe he could be forgiven for believing that these highly credentialed legal experts were were correct in their interpretation. I mean... Maybe they weren't, but if you believe that they were, does that eliminate corrupt intent?
2: It absolutely uh, would allow a jury in a lot of cases, for example, like a tax protester, Uh, even though we think some of these guys are nuts, and many of them are. Yes. uh, However, (laughs) I've seen uh, physicians, uh, educated, intelligent people, uh, fall for some of um, these tax protester arguments. And a lot of those cases, when they go to trial, comes down to the intent. And what if they had a good faith belief uh, in some of these arguments, uh, and they didn't think they were uh, violating the law? Uh, I think you'll have a similar issue um, in this case.
1: So I wonder if we should turn to the Mar-a-Lago, so that we just did the January 6th. I wonder if we should turn to the Mar-a-Lago. So we've got the Espionage Act. We've got the charge that Trump asked subordinates to erase tapes and move things around. Right. We've got the larger Mm -hmm. question of what should be kept secret. What uh, This is like not just what the current rules are, but what, in principle, we as classical liberals think should be kept secret. And mm-hmm. I guess finally we have the parallel cases of Joe Biden, Vice President Pence, Hillary Clinton. Just a lot of people have documents <laughs> lying around their premises. So this has to do with a couple things. It has to do with,
0: well, basically what happened in Mar-a-Lago. That is to say, stuff was kept that was classified apparently, and then he uh, uh, attempted- but they're not-
1: but they're not charging him under the Presidential Records Act. They're charging right. him under. Instead, the, they're charging him under the Espionage Act, and it doesn't matter yeah. if a document is classified or not. The Espionage Act goes back to World War One, before the classification system kicked in. So, when when Wilson when Wilson was president, there was no classification system. So they're saying it's just documents that pertain to national security, which is a very vague thing. And
0: but apparently the argument, though, there claim- also has to be
1: intent. And it's not clear that Trump knew that there were some sort of documents of the ones that they're alleging or are the ones he shouldn't have had were in there because he hadn't gone through them. So So the the issue is he had some
0: documents, documents that they thought he shouldn't have, and then he told his assistant to kill or destroy the tape, which would have shown destruction of such documents, but the tape wasn't destroyed and the documents weren't destroyed. But he tried to, and that's the charge. Have I got
1: that Uh, right? He's not charged with having tried to destroy the documents. He's only charged with hiding them. Uh, yeah and, and hiding. not returning.
2: Yeah, but the superseding indictment, I think what you're talking about, Graham, deals with uh, an attempt uh, to destroy video footage, right. which would have been right. evidence of the safekeeping right. of the documents or uh, or not. And yeah, he did, were were they destroyed the documents themselves? No, uh, do we have footage? Yeah. But it's just like a conspiracy. Uh, if I if you're charged with conspiracy, it is an agreement or tacit understanding. Uh, it doesn't have to come to fruition. Uh, it, the crime is the agreement. Right. right. Uh, similarly, in this case, it would be an attempt. Uh, so the charge is attempt. It doesn't have to come to fruition there, but there has to be an effort made, to act essentially, and. Furtherance of it, Uh, so that's that's, what we're dealing with with the superseding indictment, dealing with you know possible destruction. um, That's very helpful. So very helpful detail
1: clarification there. So Bill, uh, so it looks that the the superseding indictment has things that are very problematic for President Trump. On the other hand, what about? the vagueness problem with the
2: Espionage Act? Now, one, I, I will say, first of all, you know, Trump shot himself in the foot with these documents. Now, can I agree maybe with Evers and arguments that you really need to resort to the Espionage Act, uh, which carries significant statutory penalties and was intent likely on individuals, say, trying to take military plans to the Kaiser uh, back in World War I, uh, when, yeah, was Trump going to give this stuff to the Russians? No, no one's alleged that. Um, but he shot himself in the foot because yeah he didn't want to, it's just it's his personality. He didn't want to play ball. He didn't want to turn his documents over. Um, he thought it was cool. To keep some of these things. He blabs about it. You know, there is a tape recording. Oh, I yeah. probably shouldn't be showing you this. This is secret and I could have declassified it when I was president, but I didn't. Um I mean do I think from that first indictment can uh, the special counsel prove uh the the elements of the offense beyond a reasonable doubt. It looks like he's got a good shot. I think that and I think Trump's in trouble. I think the when I looked at the sentencing guidelines on these things, as I recall, the guidelines are up there around the 120-month or 10-year range uh, if a judge sentenced him pursuant to the guidelines. But the question in this case is, is this a matter where that statute should have been wielded uh, or whether there should be a criminal prosecution and all? or would, say, a congressional investigation to publicize uh, or special counsel's report um, to publicize the malfeasance and stupidity exercised by Trump with classified documents.
1: And let's say we think this should better be seen under the Presidential Records Act rather than the Espionage Act. Well, there are no penalties. You know, they have a precise prescribe procedures but there's no penalties in the, it's, it's more of like a set of regulatory guidelines for people leaving office and it's it just it just seems that what Bill Watkins is saying publicity, political, you know, voting people out or not not electing people is maybe the way to be handling this, or impeaching and removing them if, 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 if they're still in office done. at that time. So I, I know there's ideas of impeaching people after they leave office, which we've seen. But the point the the point is uh, again, they're really throwing the heavy stuff at Trump, uh, that does not in any way. You know, say that Bill Watkins is not right, that the president, President Trump shot himself in the foot, uh, acted recklessly here.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the the, the really hard edged piece of that bit, which seems like the strongest uh, criminal law claim against him, is the attempt, an agreement with someone else, namely his assistant, to try to eliminate evidence that was sought. So it was obstruction of, of that inquiry. And he, apparently he he did that, but the trouble was, and, and you could be you could be found guilty of that crime even if you didn't successfully carry it out. Apparently, because what you're saying, um, Bill Watkins has to do with you know the decision, the effort to obstruct. So he, that's right. Yeah. So he could be caught on that one, but uh, but the question is, he was just one guy, and it was his employee apparently, and and he. The guy didn't do it and Trump didn't make him do it. Is it is that enough to convulse the republic through this criminal prosecution?
2: I mean, it should be enough to at least make us shake our heads. Uh, I don't yeah. think it's worth convulsing uh, the republic because obviously, you know, what they're trying to do is put pressure on his personal assistant to roll. Uh, and I, I don't think, again, based on what I've seen just in the charging document. Uh, it's a speaking indictment. You know, a lot of indictments are just a paragraph. Uh, but this is a speaking multi-page indictment, and it's pretty damning if those allegations are true. And I think, I don't think we dispute a lot of them, uh, but, you know, they're trying to get him to roll to hurt Trump. And again, that's what, going back to the um, most recent, uh, the what I'll call the January 6th indictment, the 371 conspiracy, and others. If you notice, it's a conspiracy, but only one person is charged. Yes, I Um, thought that was interesting. And it's sort of against the definition of conspiracy. That's not atypical, but but likely what the purpose of doing that is, uh, is to try to get Rudy, Sidney Powell, John Eastman, some of these other people Uh, To be scared out of their minds that they're going to go to federal prison uh, for an extended period of time and roll on Trump. Uh, That, oh, yeah, Trump told me, yeah, this is ridiculous, but we'll try this, you know, just so I can hang on, you know, to hopefully get them to roll, give a statement on him uh, that makes, that can be used at trial and try to get a better deal for themselves. Uh, under the statute, Uh, probably plead to maybe an information, uh, which is, uh, yeah, a special counsel could issue without a grand jury to maybe uh, some lesser charge. Um, Or if they just pled, say, to the conspiracy, which is a five-year statute, yeah, he could make a what we call uh, 5K 1.1, which is a provision of the guidelines, which is a motion for a downward departure asking the judge to sentence them, uh, lower than the guidelines, uh, call for. Uh, so cut their time, a time cut. Um, so that's obviously the game plan is to try to get some of those people, right. uh, again, a lot of people advanced in life, uh, who, you know, Rudy, for example, is not a young man. Um, right. um, that would not like to die in federal prison um, to uh, give information and get on board uh, there. So we see that also uh, with this uh, manservant of Trumps that uh, uh, is in the first, um, uh, the records indictment and then the obstruction uh, issues there. So, you know, it's a lot of uh, tactics there by the special counsel's office to try to, uh, get people to play ball uh, so he can, you know, bury the defendant. So I think we should kind of wind up the Mar-a-Lago thing
1: and along, someone along these lines. So it, 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 we protect a lot of secrets in the United States government. There's this vague thing of something that's of important to national security that's in the Espionage Act. And then there's the classification system. We know from a commission that Daniel Patrick Moynihan sat on some decades ago that we wildly overclassify documents. We know from social science that the tendency of a bureaucrat is to avoid Making waves, avoid making trouble for himself or his office, his her office, and therefore to overclassify, because if you underclassify, you can only get in trouble. But if you overclassify, it's hard to see how you get in trouble. So we we have this problem, Senator Rand Paul has been pointing to it many, many times during this recent time. But for all these people, Hillary, Mike Pence, President Joe Biden that have had these documents, they probably weren't, you know, how to defend the United States from incoming missiles from Russia. They were probably some exchange with other foreign leader or something that's hopelessly unimportant. President Trump possibly, you know, sort of thinking of himself as a certain kind of person wanted to go through apparently as all the accounts around him say he wanted to go through all this stuff it had scattered together personal things of his mementos whatever he was gonna when he got around to it pull out the stuff that was super secret and to return it we don't we have there have been rumors but there's no evidence to my that I've seen that there were things about you know, the U.S. missile systems or U.S. counter-missile systems or nuclear submarines or things like that that were in there. And, of course, if there were, that's very, very serious. And I, all three of us would say that was very, very horrible if he had that stuff. But we're overstressing we're over all these things that are supposedly secret, and that's actually not healthy
2: for a free society. Nope, I agree with you. There's probably an overclassification problem that this is a uh, good opportunity to uh, take a gander at on a global scale. Of course, Trump's problem is whether they should have been classified or not, once you get a grand jury subpoena to turn over documents, uh, your step should be lawyers. Go down there to the ballroom and go through those boxes and anything with a classified marking. Give that to the people, and uh, be done with it. But, uh, but this but guy doesn't also play.
1: saying potentially that there are things that didn't have classification marks that were also things he shouldn't have had.
2: There, there might be, but there's enough that were stamped yes. uh, to hang him without even getting to the other stuff. Again, just stupidity in uh, handling a matter by well, Trump.
0: But, but it may be you know that, that if if Hillary Clinton Clinton tripped up over this dealing with this mass of classified material that she had access to and, and if Joe Biden tripped over the same thing as a mass of classified material he had access to and if, and if Mike Pence tripped over it and Donald Trump tripped over it I kind of thinking to myself you know <clears throat> yeah so he probably looks like he was guilty of uh, of obstructing that inquiry about the Documents and trying to keep them hidden and so forth, but but the the, the magnitude of the wrong um, doesn't impress me as being terribly high. Um, so I, I'm persuaded in a way that uh, he was probably guilty of breaking that statute when he tried to obstruct by by cutting the tape. But but how how highly significant is it in the light of this whole classified documents thing? But by contrast. In the other and more recent indictment, the one about uh, a conspiracy to defraud and corruptly obstructing and so forth, this one I find much more concerning um, and, and much more dubious about the, the validity of the indictment because it really seems to hinge on what former President Trump intended and what he believed uh, uh, at the time he was doing the things he was doing. Did he Did he believe John Eastman or did he believe John Eastman to be mistaken, but used his ideas anyway, thus corruptly? Or did he really believe John Eastman was accurate and then he wasn't corrupt? How, how can the criminal law delve into the thoughts and intents of the heart, you know, of the unspoken distinction between belief and illusion? Um, can, should the criminal law be used to delve that deeply with such fantastically huge potential consequences? I'm worried about the criminal law being deployed I'm no no and, fan of Donald Trump, but I don't want the criminal law to be deployed to discern the intents of the hidden thoughts of the heart. What's and, that and, about?
1: and what about Al Gore and uh, George W. Bush contesting, or what about Stacey Abrams contesting, or what about yeah. Hillary, Hillary Clinton, Clinton saying that mm-hmm. uh, President Trump was illegitimate? I mean, we have a problem here. With free speech, as well as mm, that's people a good point. filing, you know, objections about uh, possible election fraud or miscounting or whatever. So it's this is a troubling thing. I think we also have to look at not just President Trump being in trouble, but Hunter Biden and Joe Biden being in trouble. We have both the plea deal issue, and we have the statutes under which Hunter Biden is charged, and there are interesting aspects to both. Well,
0: let's try and understand that a little bit too. Um, I'm not sure that I am uh, sufficiently uh, well versed in the details, but there's the Foreign Agent Registration Act uh, that he, that Hunter Biden apparently should he should have registered, but he didn't. And then, of course, there's the question of whether. In relation to Burisma, the Ukrainian oil uh, consortium company, whether uh, he deployed his father's influence to get money, and whether Joe Biden, by sitting in on twenty business calls, apparently according to uh, this latest testimony, uh, whether former vice president, current president Joe Biden, knew that he was sitting in on former on twenty business calls so that his son could get money off of. The sound of Joe Biden's voice and influence.
1: Um, this is pretty, pretty
0: concerning.
1: And, and, and related is the the firing of the chief prosecutor in Ukraine, who was looking into Burisma. When was that the one Ukraine, that President Biden? Ukraine was part of Vice President Biden's portfolio under President Obama. So that's a, a, a related matter. This is what, one of the impeachment charges that was voted by the House against President Trump had to do with his phone call to President Zelensky of Ukraine pertaining to this Burisma case also. So, I don't know, I think Bill Watkins needs to help us back wow. all these How things. Could so our the plea deal? Is... the plea deal, yeah. the, st- the st- this Burisma thing and the the hasn't been charted, but in the, the, the debate over the plea deal in front of the judge, the, the issue of the Foreign Agents Registration Act came up, and then we have also the gun charge, where he was a drug user, but non a non nonviolent, and yet he was had a gun when possibly he shouldn't have had a gun and filled out a form improperly, but there's recent court decisions where you shouldn't deny the Second Amendment rights of citizens if they have done something that's not violent and that's what blocks them from having a legitimate well, you know, gun. well,
2: first of all, that's um, a lot of um, things you know, he to did get a pretty good, good deal. deal. <laughs> Do you have something uh, he ended add? up with misdemeanor uh, tax charges, uh, though he could have been charged with felonies uh, for the failure to report the income. And then uh, on his gun issue, which he, uh, of course, in his book and publicly is admitted he was a drug addict um, at the time, uh, He, when he filled out form to purchase the firearm, obtained the firearm, he indicated he didn't have a substance abuse issue and then told, you know, that was a false statement. But uh, part of his deal was that uh, rather than being indicted under uh, the statutes, 18 U.S.C. section 922G, uh, it has various subsections. Rather than being indicted for that, uh, he would do a drug counseling program, and um, all things would be forgiven there. So, that was a pretty uh, good result. And, and,
1: And peculiarly, and certainly the judge thought it was peculiar, instead of a prosecutor deciding that his diversion program hadn't worked out and that he was once again doing illegal things, the judge would have to decide this, not a prosecutor. What she was worried about, yeah, typically a I mean, sort of diversion and program. A judge. I um, if you know, probation that officer a bit,
2: yeah. would supervise him. Uh, he would have to report to his probation officer, showing that he's completed whatever community service or uh, out, or rehab or classes, what have you, and then typically the probation officer. Submits to the prosecutor a memorandum at the end of it, assuming, let's say, he's done the right thing, attended all his classes, uh, participated, graduated, uh, a recommendation that, um, you know, that his, uh, period of supervision be ended. Um, and, you know, sure, prosecutor files a motion with the court to that extent, but, uh, it's typically, um, The probation office and the prosecutor's office that uh, make those decisions, do the monitoring, make the recommendation there. I will say in Hunter Biden's defense, that's, you know, uh, essentially being a drug user in possession. uh, I've tried myself a lot of cases under 922G, almost all of them felon in possession type cases and i had to go look at the statues i you know addicts can't buy gun i mean uh it's it's right there but you know it's something that uh i have never seen charged and uh, does it fit in this case sure it fits but in his defense that is not a frequently wielded sword out there uh but yeah overall he got a really good deal uh You know, and, of course, this doesn't even really account for any of the corruption that Evers was talking about where, you know, only only an idiot would think that he was hired over in Ukraine for his business ability and knowledge of the oil industry, and it didn't have anything to do with dear old dad and political influence. Uh, So he's not being punished for that. Uh, So, I mean, overall... Yeah, he got a good deal. We'll see what happens. I'm sure the prosecutors and the defense lawyers uh, are going to go back to the drawing board, try to come up with some arrangement that the judge will accept. But the contrast between um, Trump and uh, out of the gate, you know, hitting with the heaviest hammer you can and Hunter Biden uh, out of the gate uh, looking at mitigating circumstances, no real criminal history, no it's not a crime of violence, let's cut him, cut him some slack here. Uh, two very different perspectives and two de- very different outcomes sought.
0: Yeah, these comparisons so, uh, are what make it
1: a little bit uncomfortable, doesn't it? Go ahead, Bill Evers. I wondered if you had thoughts on the line of cases that, I'm not, I'm not saying they, I mean, the Hunter thing is pretty far along, but there are judges who are saying that if you're denying a firearm to somebody and it's for some kind of process crime or something that's not a violent thing, you yeah, I mean, this is all comes from, from uh, Bruin, uh, uh, the Supreme Court in all of those cases decision built.
2: in Bruin, uh, dealing with a New York uh, registration licensing statute where uh, you had to show a need to be able to carry a pistol, to have a weapon outside the home, like you were, say, had received threats or something. Court said, nope, uh, that is outside the Second Amendment at the time. Of the framing or the time of the framing of the 14th Amendment. It's unclear which time period um, one would use there. Uh, There was no such restriction that anybody in any state had to show uh, a need to carry a firearm. You could. So, what Bruin means is that in all these cases, whether it be federal or state, where there's licensing requirements or prohibitions, like, say, felon in possession or drug addict in possession. Um, we have to do a historical analysis and look to uh, the, fra- the framing period or the time of the 14th Amendment. And is this type of law, is that would that have been accepted then, approved in the normal course, Or are we deviating uh, from this historical understanding? And if it's a deviation, uh, it will be struck down. So that's sort of the lay of the land uh, right now. Uh, A lot of things are up in the air uh, at uh, the present moment on gun crimes. And no doubt, um, some of that analysis uh, went into perhaps giving Hunter a little bit of a break on uh, his... Uh, 922G charge, uh, when, you know, who knows uh, what a court, uh, if they did the historical research, if they could find any analogies to a drunk not being able to have a gun, or a madman versus, you know, a drug addict, in this case, under the federal statute. So, um, interesting times with gun laws now. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: can we skip back to we we're talking about Hunter let's get back to his father for a minute here um, I am struck by how it, how can it be that in two successive presidencies our highest level politics are all wound up with this Ukrainian thing so you know President Vice President Biden apparently had leaned on the Ukrainians um, to fire a prosecutor and then they did and he and he boasted later that he had you know, successfully done that. But of course, at the same time, he was helping by his son to get money from a company whose interests were at stake there. Uh, and so that, that was done, that seems a problematic. And then President Trump leans on uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine uh, on some similar matters, right. threatens to withhold aid, doesn't follow through, doesn't withhold the aid. That was an impeachable offense. Um, was what President Biden did back when he was vice president an impeachable offense. Uh, I would respond to my own question initially, but with just this and then I wanna know what you guys think, but my own response to that would be, um, maybe, maybe not. Uh, It certainly doesn't look like a criminal offense because while on the one hand, Vice President Biden couldn't not have known that he was aiding Hunter's business by being in on those 20 business phone calls where he was, Hunter was selling his brand to get money. Uh, he could not know he was helping Hunter, but at the same time, he, he, he didn't actually promise anything. Uh, and arguably he had other reasons for the actions he took other than helping Hunter. Um, so you'd have to really delve you know, kind of deep uh, to analyze Joe Biden's, Biden's motivation there. I'm not sure that that was either impeachable or criminal. Um, but I'm saying thing, I'm not sure that the Trump thing was, was impeachable uh,
2: or criminal with regard to No, I think there's the, definitely the a double business. standard, and I, I think got we're this wading right, into I'm, a very dangerous something. area. There's never been criminal indictments of a former president, as we're seeing here. Uh, we were able to decide, yeah, you know, let the mud fly and let the people make a choice. Uh, and that's how we have previously decided matters. Uh, So what is this going to be now? Is it going to be a tit for tat that if a Republican were to win office and have a majority in the House and Senate, uh, are we going to have retributions? Are we going to have uh, kangaroo courts uh, set up to uh, even the score here? I mean, that's the way it's done in the third world. And unfortunately, it appears we're devolving into that, uh, and uh, we can thank the Democratic Party uh, for being front and center and pushing us to a banana republic. Here, uh, they're the ones that brought them to impeachments uh, with these matters. And yeah, is I mean, I do think impeachment is ultimately a political process anyway. Uh, but that's beside the point. That was not a good use of time or. Resources right. um, for you know the piddly, you know the you know, steel dossier and these other things uh, that were at issue. But the main thing is that as a republic, is this where we're headed now? Uh, you know, despite what they want to make of January six, there was a as is always has been a peaceful transition uh, of power. Sure. Did Trump um, show up to shake Joe Biden's hand and hand over the reins? No, but neither did John Adams uh, when Thomas Jefferson uh, won the election in 1800. He skedaddled out of town and um, let his predecessor come in. Uh, So you don't have to necessarily be a gentleman, but we don't need this system of political retribution uh, that which is what we're heading for right. here, and <laughs> uh, it's, it's it looks like it's just going to get worse. To me, it's unfortunate, and again, I hang it uh, on the Democratic Party and their uh, obsession with their favorite Hillary Clinton, who was a shoe in uh, when she did not win the presidency, as Ebers indicated. She said Trump was illegitimate. Uh, at... Exactly, election denier. She was an election denialist.
0: So, okay, enough said, I think. Um, well, let's take the last few minutes here to talk about something else a little different, but again, legal implications. Uh, so what's this news that, in fact, uh, President Joe Biden's White House leaned even heavier on Facebook than we knew to get them to censor posts? Um, I think that, you know, Facebook can block whatever it wants. But if it's true that the president of the United States is weighing in uh, to coerce a private company to block other people's free speech, that sounds like a violation of the First Amendment by no, the U.S.
2: government. No, I mean, that's deplorable to uh, insert am yourself right into a private company like that, that happens to be almost in the position of a common carrier when it comes to information, and try to see that certain information uh, is excluded and others uh, more easily accessible. Uh, They had no business doing that. Uh, I think, again, if we wanted to play tit for tat, that's certainly an impeachable uh, offense right there. If we wanted to go down that road, which I don't, uh, I would... No, but I would just say again, no, I don't want to go down that let road. Let the either. light just, shine just on saying. it. Let the people make a decision. Um, is this the type of executive you want running the country uh, where he and his minions uh, lean on Facebook heavily, uh, even more so than we thought, uh, to have the right message out there?
0: Everest, if I missed a detail, what exactly did they try and get them to do and how did they try and get them to do it?
1: Well, uh, one of the things that they directly asked Facebook to change its algorithm to elevate what the administration, the Biden administration, thought were authoritative sources that were promoting the messages on COVID-19 that, and treatments and Public health policies and so forth that the administration endorsed, some of which turned out, of course, to be scientifically wrong. But just as they had with Twitter, they now it has been revealed they were doing this with Facebook.
0: What if Facebook says, "Well, we 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 would have uh, done that anyways, because we didn't like that bad information."
1: That's that's fine that as far defense? as I'm concerned. Well, the the question is not what Facebook's rights were. The question is Facebook and uh, private individuals have free speech rights. Government does not have a right to dictate what speech there is and to control speech. And they, they increasingly, and certainly in this administration, think they have such a right.
0: Okay, so I'll be snarky and change the subject by saying, okay, I get that, but then what right does, does uh, Ron DeSantis ha- have to say how they should teach about slavery in the Florida school cool. curriculum? Isn't he violating free
1: speech? Well, if the so, so Vice, Vice President Harris, Kamala Harris, uh, denounced the... Florida's uh, academic content standards for American history that pertain to slavery. And she said, well, this makes sounds like they're saying that slavery is a beneficial institution. And this is a gross distortion. of The facts uh, had a panel headed by William Allen, a distinguished African-American scholar from Michigan State.
0: Very astute man and, and a friend of mine. Over
1: They went over all of this, and yes, it's true that African-American slaves learned things on plantations as slaves, uh, like maybe blacksmithing or horseshoeing or learning to read uh, or keep accounts for the plantation, uh, that either sometimes they were contracted out to do things like this in the city but still were slaves but got to keep some portion of this that was fairly unusual but it happened in a few cases if they became uh, they, they bought or somehow were freed by their master they could then use these skills or after emancipation after slavery was outlawed and over they were able to use these things and this is part of the agency of these African Americans in a sense to say they were only victims, nothing ever happened where they could, you know, master skills and do things is a denial of their humanity. So if anybody's racist, it's these people that are criticizing the fact that slaves were able to accomplish things in their lives and ex and also as ex slave Primarily we're this- talking about as ex slaves, as former slaves.
0: Right, exactly. Well uh- Somewhat tongue in cheek. Let me restate my other question, which was: um, if it's wrong for President Biden to try and shape what
2: Facebook well, says, Because we're uh, dealing with Florida, Palm for the schools? To try and shape and, what the teachers uh, say. You know, Facebook is not a what? organ of the government. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it all, you know, the. Right, for better or worse, they are. We're and not the, the arguing here for, for whether for, for uh, better or worse, private are. education, charter schools, homeschooling would be better uh, than public schools. Probably, yes, to all of the above. But um, they are public schools. Therefore, the chief executive of the state on uh, his secretary of education and so forth have a say in uh, what is taught and what sort of standards. So it's apples and oranges.
0: They have out responsibility, actually, to say what the
1: standards are. Am I right, Bill Evers? Well, I don't—they I, could just stay silent on this. But the, the, the point is that courts have actually said in cases where a question has arisen, dude, does the state have the right to set such curriculum? And the courts have found, yes, they, ha- they do. The court—these public schools are creatures of the state.
0: So, for example, and again, by sort of by comparison, since we're talking about Ron DeSantis in Florida, that people say, well, when when he agreed or his administration agreed to have certain books not available to public school students at the taxpayers' expense, some people say, oh, well, that's censorship. But again, uh, the, the books were actually still fully available to the public, uh, and anybody could get them who wanted to. But his position was just that they weren't going to spend taxpayer money to provide these books, but then that was derided as censorship. It's the same kind of issue. People have trouble understanding the distinction between responsibility for uh, state organizations no, and right. then coercion and, of yeah, private the whole thing, persons yeah, You're companies. right. He has
2: a duty, and he's especially yeah. um, <laughs> with all the foolishness right now in education and the attempts, say, of the sixteen, nineteen. Commission and its curriculum to make the history of the United States really only about slavery, that be the key topic. Uh, right-thinking people have a duty to push back against that and tell the full story of a uh, limited government, the rule of law, uh, enterprising individuals, uh, whether they be black or white, uh, who were able to use skills uh, and in the market economy. Uh, for many good things. That's part of the full story, uh, and I'm glad to see someone's pushing back on the education establishment and others uh, to get the full story out there.
1: uh, It's interesting, bringing up the date 1619, the Florida Standards for American History say that children shall not learn about the history of slavery in Africa, Europe, Asia, and the Americas before 1619. Uh So the leftist agenda is that slavery, in a sense, descended from the sky in 1619, but the Florida standards... Go against this and our support, of course, the actual history of slavery, and this is probably what triggered.
0: No, I don't want
1: him yes. right. for this right. skills of African Americans passage, because he do del- The, he the rest doesn't want people to know that depending the on that the victimization
2: is, is the glue that holds the Democratic Party together. To understand that slavery was a human institution uh, in all cultures, in all ages, uh, in Africa, in Europe, uh, in North America, uh, and various Indian tribes, uh, you know, practice slavery. Not to say that it's a good institution, but it has been common among man, and that messes up their little theory that this is America's unique original sin Uh, that cannot be atoned for and cannot be forgiven uh, when people understand that this is a worldwide problem throughout the ages.
0: Listen, uh, gentlemen, I am so grateful for all of your input, especially on the legal things we were discussing earlier. Um, We did shed some light there. I hope it's helpful to our friends. As I think about the legal issues we were discussing, you know, I'm reminded that...
1: Can I just insert something here? Yes. Despite the historical fact that Bill Watkins brings up about the ubiquitousness of slavery and going back to the earliest recorded information we have about human cultures, people who are classical liberals have always been in the forefront of calling for the immediate abolition of slavery. And we are supportive of them and fans of them. I don't want anything that we've said about the history of this horrible institution detract from the fact that classical liberalism is actually a political doctrine that is based on devotion to freedom and against slavery.
0: Yes. Hear, hear. I totally agree with that. So again, with that said, I think we're going to call it quits for the day, but I do want to point out to our friends that uh, we actually uh, today are in the process of posting a number of interesting things that bear on the legal questions that we've been discussing. Um, we are trying our best to make sure that the law has its proper place in a free society. Uh, we do want to live on the rule of law, but the rule of law doesn't cover everything bad in the world. Uh, and maybe that's a good thing uh, because uh, human freedom is also valuable. So we're grateful to live uh, in a country which has at least a strong history of trying to uphold a well-defined rule of law that keeps people as free as possible. Uh, let's hold on to it. Thank you again, Bill Evers, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Have a good rest of your day, my friends. And William Watkins, Jr., thank you very much for your legal expertise. Yes, and both of you, too. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Independent Outlook. Please visit independent.org anytime for more resources. Take care. Bye-bye.